What is up, guys? Welcome to the Dad Bod Sports Pod. Today is episode number five of Hopefully Thousands. Today we have me, the King, aka Glenn, and we have David. Uh, Scotty could not join us today because he's still crying that the 76ers championship chances took a giant dump because Simmons and Embiid are made of paper. Go anyway, today's podcast will be top 10 MOB hitters of all time. We were going to do top 10 players. But we found it unfair to pitchers who only have one side of the game to uh, contend with. So uh, not to be left out, we are going to do a top 10 hitters of all time. And then next podcast or a future podcast, we'll do top 10 pitchers. Uh, but before we get started, I'd like to give a special shout out to two of our sponsors, uh, Fanatics, where you can buy anything sports fan related, such as jerseys, autographs, hats, shirts, whatever you need, anything you need to show your team pride. There is a scan code and a link on the podcast so you can get 10% off and we get a little commission on that as well. Also, one more sponsor, Rogue Energy, the up-and-coming top-brand energy drink to get your get you fueled for your workout or game. Use code DBSP10 for a discount courtesy of the Dad Bod Sports Pod. And with that, David, let's get started. We're going to start with your 10 through 6 of the best MLB hitters of all time. Get cracking. All right. So before I get into my 10 through 6, I am going to list off a few honorable mentions that I have. Um, I listed quite a few names here just because I think there's a lot of these guys that do need to be mentioned that, I mean, it, you could ask anybody and these guys could be on anybody else's top 10. But uh, just the way I went, these guys did not make it. Mickey Mantle is not in my top 10. Tris Speaker, Joe DiMaggio, Ricky Henderson, Jimmy Fox, Ken Griffey Jr., and... A guy that's still playing, Albert Pujols, I think could be considered by many in the top 10, if not right in the bubble, like where I have him in the honorable mention now. Um, but anyways, cracking right into the number 10 spot, I have who many consider to be the greatest shortstop of all time, Honus Wagner. Uh, he finished with 3,420 career hits, set over 700 stolen bases, uh, 643 doubles, 252 triples. He was really good defensively for the Pirates wherever they needed him to play. He moved all over the diamond. He played shortstop, center field, third base, corner outfield spots. The man could do it all. Obviously, he wasn't a big power hitter. Um, but, you know, back in that time, he his play style of the game just made him really electric. And I think he definitely needs to be a top 10 player all time, even though he is right at number 10 for me. Uh, number nine, I have Stan the Man Musial. He won seven batting titles over his 22-year career. He finished with 475 home runs, 725 doubles, and a 331, 417, and 559 career slash line. Um, you know, this is like Mr. Cardinal, basically. Stan Musial is an iconic baseball player. Anybody that's even a casual baseball fan usually knows the name Stan Musial. And uh, another guy that, even though he's low on my top 10, I, I think most people would have him in, in the list. Uh, number eight is a guy that I was actually talking with Glenn about earlier, trying to just wager where I wanted to have him at. And he, after doing a little more research, he landed at number eight for me. It's Rogers Hornsby. Um, he is only behind Ty Cobb in career batting average with a 358 uh, batting average on his career. He hit f over 403 times. And again, this is another guy, kind of like Honus Wagner, many, many people in the baseball world consider Rogers Hornsby to be the best second baseman of all time. He was just a very professional hitter. He always put the ball in play, did not strike out very much. Um, 
And at number seven is the guy that I just mentioned that he's behind in, in career batting average is Ty Cobb. Um, he had a 366 career batting average and a really fun stat that I found for him after his rookie year where he batted 247, he did not, he never again batted below 316 for 23 seasons. So after being a below average hitter in his rookie year, he was well above average in 23 straight years after that. And Ty Cobb, there's a lot of stories about Ty Cobb where he wasn't the greatest personality, wasn't the greatest clubhouse guy. Um, But, you know, it always depends on who you talk to about stories with Ty Cobb, because a lot of people say there's nothing to prove those stories. And he, you know, he really wasn't a bad guy and he's just being made to look like a villain. But in baseball talent, he's a top 10 player all time. And at number six, I've got Lou Gehrig. Uh, So he had a 340, 447, 632 slash line with 493 homers. And in seven World Series appearances, he had 361, 483, and 731. Um, So I think that those World Series appearances especially, I didn't look at his entire playoff stats, but those World Series appearances are the biggest ones to where, I mean, that's, that's the most clutch time you can have in baseball is in the World Series. And he proved that he could do it, and he did it well. Um, obviously Lou Gehrig could be even better on this list if it wasn't for his career ending early, uh, to what we now call Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, but anyways, that was my honorable mentions in 10 through six, Glenn. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to say that a lot of people you left off are people that I have in my uh, 10 through six. So this is going to be interesting debate. Uh, first and foremost, my honorable mentions, we got Joey D cannot forget the longest hitting streak of all time. Uh, and also one of the best postseason hitters of all time. He didn't make the list. Uh, Jimmy Fox, very hard to leave off. Manny Ramirez, who never really gets talked about anymore because, you know, steroids and the way he yeah. acted. But definitely one of the best hitters of all time, especially in the postseason. Uh, Frank absolutely. Thomas, the big hurt. Miguel yeah, Cabrera. Absolutely. Roger Swornsby, Ken Griffey, who I, again, hard guys to leave off. A-Rod. Um, you know, I got there's a bunch of guys here that didn't make the list that it's, it was very hard to leave off, but we could only put 10. So let's start with number 10. I got the myth, Mickey Mano. It's a three time MVP. He's won the Triple Crown, seven World Series championships. His 162 game average includes 113 runs, which he led the MLB five times, 36 homers, led the MLB four times, 102 RBIs, a 298 average, a 422 OBP. 977 OPS had a 117 to 115 K to walk ratio, and he led MLB many times in total bases and OPS plus in the postseason in 65 games, all World Series, by the way, because back then there were no, it was just you're in the World Series or not. Yeah, he had 18 home runs, 40 RBIs, 908 OPS. If you put that into full season, because it was uh, 77 games, so if you double that, basically that's a full season. Yeah. He would have had 38 home runs, 98 RBIs, 907 OPS. He also had 327 with runs in scoring position, super-duper clutch, 536 career home runs. you got to have the Mick on your top 10 all-time because of what he did in the regular season, top 10 in basically everything, and then in the playoffs, possibly top 10 in everything as well. At number nine, I got Stan the Man Musial. He is a three-time MVP, seven-time batting champion, a 475 career home runs. His 162 is 104 runs, 194 hits, 39 doubles, nine triples, uh, 25, 104, and a 331 average. Had a 976 OPS. He led 
in average OPS slugging total bases and on base percentage four to seven times each. His postseason wasn't as great as other players on this list. He only had four chances to do things in there. And he hit 254 with the home run and eight RBIs, which is pretty meh. But I can't leave him off just because of that. He has to be here because he was one of the best pure hitters of all time. Speaking of that, another honorable mention, Tony Gwynn, definitely one of the best pure hitters I've ever seen, but also didn't make the list. At number eight, I have the machine, Albert Pujols. When I talk about Albert Pujols, understand that I wanted to put him top five because to me, as much as everyone talks about Albert Pujols, he, to me, is still one of the most underrated players of all time. Albert Pujols has 659 career home runs, which he's going to hit 700 if he plays two or three more seasons, guaranteed. Uh, he is a three-time MVP, a six-time Silver Slugger. His 162-game average is 105 runs, 183 hits, almost 40 doubles, 38 bombs, 119 RBIs. Here, to me, is what's the most impressive thing about Albert Pujols. He has a 76 walk to 74 strikeout walk to K ratio, meaning he walks more than he strikes out. In today's game, where everyone's trying to hit bombs, that is insane. It's unheard of today. The best power hitters in the game today do not walk more than they strike out. And he's at a 76 to 74, not even 100, less, 25 less than 100 for his entire career. That's insane. It's unheard of. He's also at a 300 average. 378 OBP, a 929 OPS, and I will say his last four years in, in, uh, on the Angels probably ruined the greatest stats of all time because those four years averaged in definitely hurt. He could have been over 1,000 OPS. 100%. He has, he has led the MLB five times in runs scored. And by the way, he's a cleanup hitter. Cleanup hitter and number three hitter. He's led the league five times in runs scored. That's how many times this man gets on base. Uh, Eight out of his first nine seasons, he hit 320-plus. Eight out of nine, 320-plus. That's when he first came into the league, including a 359 season, 323 with an over 1,000 OPS. If you double his playoff stats, because he is one of the best playoff hitters of all time as well, not to mention regular season, but a full season, he'd have 110 runs, 98 walks, to 80 strikeouts, that would be an insane ratio, 38 bombs, 108 RBIs, and like I said, a 323 average with a 1,000-plus OPS. And Brad Liz remembers him very well. So, <laughs> Albert Pujols, one of the best hitting stats of all time, one of the best playoff stats of all time. I have him at number eight because I just couldn't yet, until he's finished with his career, put him above the other guys, but he easily could be top five by... Uh, career's end. At number seven, we've got Willie Mays. Now, I know a lot of people are going to be shocked to have him this low, but the gold gloves and the probably best fielder of all time does not count for this list. This is for hitters only. So, Willie Mays, two-time MVP, 3,200-plus hits, 660 home runs. His 162-game average, which, by the way, let me just... The reason we're using the 162-game average... Is because that is the most fair way to uh, talk about a hitter. And the reason for that is because some get injured, some have really great seasons and really bad seasons. This averages everything all out together in one full season. So that's why we use 162. But his 162 would be 112 runs, 36 homers, 103 RBIs, 18 stolen bases, 
a 79 walk to 80K ratio, which is still very, very good. A 302 average, 941 OPS. He led MLB multiple times in OVP, slugging, stolen bases, and triples. Another one uh, in the postseason who only got there a few times and wasn't very good, but not terrible. He hit 254. He had a home run and 10 RBIs. His overall stats have him on this list, and he belongs here. But a lot, like I said, a lot of people have him, you know, like a top three player of all time. But again, the fielding, the gold gloves and all that doesn't, you know. And then again, his career stats are amazing. But again, his fielding is probably what made Willie Mays, besides the home runs, obviously, what made Willie Mays who Willie Mays is. And he's still a top 10 hitter of all time. I just, I couldn't put him top five because he's more of a top, you know, 10 player over, you know, top five hitter. I agree. At number six. Again, another guy I wanted to put top five, but I just, I couldn't. It's Barry Bonds. Um, he is a seven-time MVP. He is a 12-time, 12-time Silver Slugger. And believe it or not, the home run king only led the MLB twice in home runs. That's astounding for, to think about. Uh, you, you know, you have 700-plus home runs, and you only led twice. There's guys on here that have 500 home runs and led seven times. It's just the era that Bonds played in. The steroid era, you know, to, to, yeah. to, be, to be frank. Uh, but he's got 762 home runs all time, obviously the king. He missed 3,000 hits by less than 100. Could you imagine leading the world in home runs and then almost getting 3,000 hits? Had he played longer, had the, you know, the, the drama not unfolded, who knows where Bonds would have wound up. Oh, yeah. His 162-game average is 121 runs, 41 bombs. 108 RBIs, 28 stolen bases. One of the most underrated parts of Barry Bonds is the fact that this man could run the bases just as good as anyone ever. Uh, he had 139 to 83 walk to strikeout ratio. 139 to 83. Insane. That's one of the sickest, best ratios in the history of the game. Probably number one. Uh, he had 2,500 career walks, which is the most of all time. A 298 average, 444 OVP, and had, of course, over 1,000 OPS. Uh, and, of course, led MLB many, many times, at least five to ten times each in OVP, slugging, OPS, total bases, walks, home run. I'm just, it's insane. Uh, in the postseason, Barry Bonds still did his thing. He got on base with a 430 on base percentage and over 900 OPS. But he wasn't very clutch, and he's part of the reason the Giants never won a World Series. He obviously has never won one. Um, you know, he had a couple of opportunities, but uh, it just never panned out. But nonetheless, Barry Bonds could easily be top five, and I'm sure he'll be five on a lot of people's list. I have him below top five simply for the fact that, you know, uh, his era was a little iffy, you know what I mean? Um, but... Yeah, so that is my uh, 10 through 6. So, David, uh, if you want to talk about anything before we move on to 1 through 5, like a debate or whatever, you can. If not, you can just start at your number 5. I mean, you know, I think it's kind of like I said, a lot of the guys that I had in my honorable mention could be on anybody else's top 10, and you proved exactly my point. I mean, Mickey Mantle, I think, definitely deserves to be on a lot of people's top 10s. I just... I mean, to be honest, like I told you, you know, my six through 10 was a little more thrown together than my one through five was. Right. Um, but, you know, the, it, it can go either way. A lot of these guys, I mean, 10 through 
or let's say, I mean, even six through like 20 on the top 20 best hitters of all time could probably be mixed and matched any which way. And a lot of people wouldn't be upset about it. Um, right. Kind of funny, just with all the names thrown in there, we both did have Stan at nine. So yeah. just kind of a random, but anyway, so I guess I'll get on with my five through one then. Uh, so at number five is a guy that like you were just talking about was a little lower on your list uh, outside of the top five. I went with Willie Mays at number five. Um, you went over all the stats already, so I'm not going to go real in depth on Willie Mays. I basically had all the same stats written down as you did. Um, and I mean, he wasn't a good postseason hitter. So, right. you know, I, he just, he, he didn't really come in the clutch in that aspect. So I think number five was good for Willie Mays. And like you said, I mean, his spectacular defense was great and it ranks him probably top three on like overall list. But if we're talking, but if we're talking hitters, then Willie Mays is, I'd, I have him at five. I think that's a good spot for him. Um, at number four, another guy that you just went over, the home run king, Barry Bonds. Again, I guess I really I didn't have any different stats than you did. I, we talked about this when we were setting this up, and we were both kind of writing down the same things for a lot of these guys. Um, so Barry Bonds is my number four. At number three, oh, this is where it really starts to get tough. I have Ted Williams at number three. And... I really could put him number one and not even be upset about it. Um, he has the best on-base percentage ever at 482. He missed three years in his prime due to military service. Otherwise, I mean, this guy would have easily had 3,000 hits. He finished at 2,600. He would have had 600 home runs. He had 521. I mean, this was three years in this guy's prime, like when he would have been putting up the best numbers of his career. And he's, I mean, he's still put up great numbers, over 1,100 OPS for his career. He walked 2,021 times and only struck out 709. Um, he won two Triple Crowns, and he did only appear in one World Series where he went 5 for 25, so that 200 average in the World Series does give him a little bit of a hit, but it's not really a big sample size either. He was only there once. Um, but Ted Williams is number three for me. At number two, I'm going to go with Hank Aaron. Uh, Hank Aaron finished with over 3,700 career hits, 624 doubles, 755 home runs, a 928 OPS in his 23-year, almost 3,300-game career. His 162-game average was a three was 305, 928, 37 home runs, 130, 13, 113 RBIs. Uh, postseason stats: He hit 362 with an 1,100 OPS, 16 homers, and 25 total hits in three playoff series in 17 games. So another guy that really did not make the postseason a lot, but when he did, I mean, 1100 OPS is, is amazing. I mean, you know, you don't see guys with 1100 OPS is in, in a, a very long stretch of time. So even just in those 17 games, I mean, that that's, that shows that he was coming through when he got there. And number one, I got Babe Ruth. I know a lot of people say like, oh, well, if he played today, he wouldn't be able to hit. He, you know, you, you can't you can't hit on the guy for the era he played in. Like you said, I mean, I know with like bonds with the steroid era, I mean, steroids don't help you see ball hit ball better necessarily. But, you know, give you a little more juice, hit those gaps, hit the whatever. I mean, Babe Ruth in his time was the best player baseball I'd ever seen. Finished with over twenty eight hundred hits, five hundred plus doubles, seven hundred and fourteen homers. He walked over 2,000 times to only 1,300 strikeouts in his 22-year career, played over 2,500 games. 
Um, I know we're talking about hitters, but I mean, you know, he also had a 2.28 career ERA and over 1,200 innings. So, like, that's cool. Anyways, um, 162 game average. He had 342 with a 690 slugging over a, almost a 1,200 OPS on his 162 game average. I mean, that it's just insane. It's at 1164. Um, in the World Series, he had 326 with over a 1,200 OPS, 15 homers, and again, more walks than strikeouts. I mean, I, I really, it was really tough with my one through three because I know what Babe Ruth, what Babe Ruth does and what, you know, what he means to the game. And like, but a lot of people, a lot of people hate on, you know, the air he played and the way he took care of his body and the way he didn't, didn't take care of his body. Real, Let's be real. Um, but so I, I still think he's got to be at least top three. My top three could have gone in any order. This is just the way that I wanted to end it off with, with that. Okay. Um, I guess we'll see if I agree with you or not. Uh, let's do my five, and then we'll do a bunch of debates and stuff like that after. Sounds good. Um, at number five, I have Ty Cobb. Uh, he was an MVP, a Triple Crown winner, a 12-time batting champ. He had over 4,000 hits. Uh, like David said, you know, his uh, 162, 120 runs, 16 triples, which is top 10 all time, by the way. Now, here's the thing about Ty Cobb. Again, talking about his 162, he only had six home runs, but at 104 RBIs. Now, I know in today's game, everyone's all about that power. Think about a guy having six home runs for his 162 game average and still having over 100 RBIs. That means, check this out, he actually got base hits to bring runners in. I know, I know, it's a, you know, it's not base a thing hits? today, but what? imagine that. He also had 48 stolen bases in his 162-game average, which is insane. I know it doesn't really include hitting, but insane to almost have 50 stolen bases career uh, per season. Uh, and then had a 63-walk to 37-strikeout ratio. Obviously, the man basically never struck out because he's always on base and getting hits. Uh, his 366 average is the best of all time. His 944 OPS is just <laughs> insane. He led MLB about 10 times each. In OBP, OPS, slugging, total bases, average, OPS plus. And like I said, the fact that he did all that on six home runs a year literally shows how insane this man was with the bat. Uh, and then to have over a 940 OPS when you only have six home runs, like when for, for those that don't know, I'm sure everyone does, but uh, OPS includes your slugging. And if you don't hit bombs, your slugging takes a huge hit. And yet this man still almost had a, a thousand career OPS without hitting bombs. That, that just, it's ridiculous. Uh, in his three postseasons, um, he had 262, stole four bases, had nine RBIs, very small sample size, but he did hit 304 with runs in scoring position. He wasn't amazing, but he was decent for the little time he had. 100% to me, a top five hitter of all time. At number four, I have Hammerin' Hank Aaron. The former MVP had 3,700 plus hits. Uh, he's second all-time and still considered by most to be the true home run king. Um, one homer shy of Bonds, obviously. Um, he has the most RBIs of all time. His 162 is 107 runs, 37 bombs, 113 RBIs, 12 stolen bases, a 69-68 uh, walk-to-K ratio. He had over 300 for his career, 928 OPS, batting champ, slugging champ. He, again, everyone on this list has led the league like five to 10 times in every single category. But like David said, in the postseason, even though he was only there three times, 
He had six homers and 16 RBIs with a 362 average, a one point of 1.116 OPS. That is literally unheard of, unthinkable, especially in the postseason. And again, six home runs and 16 RBIs in three series. That's insane. He, if he had made the playoffs 10 times like other players, probably would be the best hitter of all time, 100%. But again, his sample size is a little bit too low. Like, I'd love to triple that and give you an average and say he was, but we can't do that. Not for this. Um, like a guy like Pools, I can do that because he played 75 games total, which again, you double it and it's a full season. So um, with Hank Aaron, though, again, if he was there more, I'd have him higher on the list. But he 1,000% is a top five hitter of all time. At number three, I have Lou Gehrig, a two-time MVP, triple crown winner, averaged 141 runs a season, 12 triples, 37 bombs, 149 RBIs. That is number one all time for a 160-game average. Um, it's insane. Uh, 113 to 59 walk to K ratio. Again, Bonds has number two. Lou Gehrig has the number one walk to K ratio. Uh, hit 340 for his career, like David said. Over a thousand slug. Uh, I mean, uh, OPS. He only played 17 seasons. Again, David mentioned all this. Um, and I only say that because he had over 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. But then he got, you know, the famous Lou Gehrig disease and had to cut his career short and things like that. And if you think that's impressive, again, top three hitter of all time, in my opinion, we didn't even talk about the postseason stats yet. It's top two all time easily postseason. They might, I mean, 10 home runs, 35 RBIs, like David said, 362 average with a 12-14 OPS. And part reason he won six of his last six World Series titles. He was Definitely one of the main reasons. I know the Yankees had the, you know, slaughter's row, murder's row, whatever. But I'm telling you right now, Lou Gehrig was the, the biggest piece to that. And, again, some of the best regular season, probably the best postseason stats. I mean, for him not to be top three, I don't know, uh, for anybody. Number two, I got Teddy Ballgame. Again, two-time MVP, two-time Triple Crown winner. David went over these. We'll go over a little bit real quick. Six-time batting champ, uh, 520 career home runs, a 162 of 127, 37 bombs, 130 RBIs, 344 average, 482 OBP, which is the best of all time. Uh, and then a 1.116 OPS. Basically, when he wasn't serving our country, he was leading all of MLB in OPS, average slugging total bases, OPS, and anything else you can name. Uh, but as we know... One of the reasons I don't have him number one, it's not technically his fault, but the Red Sox didn't win a title for 86 years and didn't make the dance off. So Teddy Ballgame literally is on the Mike Trout level of that one postseason. And shout out Jake. Yeah, shout out to Jake. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, but again, I'm not putting him lower than number two, even without postseason stats, because it's Teddy Ballgame. And again, uh, served our wonderful country like a man, and uh, got to give him all the props in the world. And at number one, yes, me and David agree, it's the Bambino. Uh, again, the 162 game average is too good not to say again. 141 runs, 
46 bombs, 143 RBIs, 342 average. He has the best slugging percent of all time at 690, the best OPS of all time at 1.164, the best OPS plus of all time, uh, 714 career home runs, which is third of all time. He was the home run king for half a century. Um, He won seven World Series and in the playoffs had 15 home runs, 33 RBIs in seven series. He had 326, 470 OBP, 1.214 OPS in the playoffs. Uh, everything this man did, and by the way, like David said, he pitched too and was one of the best pitchers with a 2.18 ERA or 2.28 ERA, whatever it was. So literally top three in every single offensive stat, uh, literally top two or three in postseason stats of all time, uh, probably has some of the best pitching stats of all time, and uh, he's the GOAT. Babe Ruth is the GOAT of baseball. It's it's not a debate. Everyone says there's a debate on Willie Mays, and Babe Ruth is the GOAT in baseball. To me, there's no debate. I don't care who you say. You cannot debate Babe Ruth. See, Do you agree with that, David? Yeah, absolutely. And I just I just wanted to add, because you know, you're, you're talking about the GOAT thing now, and adding in all the hitting stats that we talked about, Plus, he, like I said, he pitched 1,221 innings in his career. So, that I mean, that's still quite a lot of innings to be as good of a hitter as he was. To pitch to a 2.28 ERA, struck out almost 500 batters in those innings back then where guys weren't striking out. Striking out was right. a cardinal sin when Babe Ruth was playing baseball. Right. And so to still strike out almost 500 batters in 1,200 innings back then, that's a lot. And uh, and then to put up the hitting numbers he did, Babe Ruth is 100% the GOAT. Um you know, there's a lot of these players that are absolutely great. Willie Mays, Ted Williams, Barry Bonds, steroids or not, I don't care. And, but that's a whole nother podcast. Whole nother, whole nother thing. Anyways, uh, but, you know, like, all those guys are top five, top ten overall players of all time, even. And, but Babe Ruth is, Babe Ruth's the GOAT. There's just no debating it. Yeah. Um, so, like we said, we did top ten hitters because, again, we're going to do pitches on another one. Because if we did top 10 players of all time, there may be one or two pitchers, if that, uh, on our list. So, like, you got to give pitchers the, the credit they deserve and give them a top 10 as well. Because, again, it's just like the NFL. Uh, you do top 10 quarterbacks, and then you do top 10 every other player. Because the quarterback is the most important position, you know, in the sport. I feel like uh, even though they say pitching wins championships and defense and things like that, when people watch the game of baseball, they most likely watch it for the hitters. They want to see they want to see home runs. You know, chicks dig the long ball is a phrase for a reason. So uh, that's why we did top ten hitters instead of top ten players. We will do you know another podcast with other things in it. Um, Frank, before we end this, uh, we actually did it in like thirty minutes, which is amazing. Hmm. I will say, Scotty, take notes. No, I'm just kidding. But um, let's talk was, about the Rona season for a little bit. I was um, thinking the same thing. I like that idea. What's your all right? So let's do this. What's your biggest uh, surprise so far, and what is your biggest like letdown so far? Um, you know, man, honestly, I'd say my biggest surprise is how good some of these guys have come out hitting wise. I mean, Charlie Blackman is hitting over five hundred as we speak. In right. you know, I mean that that's insane. There's three guys batting over four hundred, including Charlie Blackman. Uh, you know, the big question before the season started was, was anybody going to be able to hit 20 bombs in a 60-game season? And we have a handful of guys at 8-9 now. I mean, I know Judge just 
went on the DL. So that would have been a guy that I think at this rate would have for sure gotten there. Um, but I think Tatis can definitely get there. I think Trout will get there. Um, so I just think with with as crazy as the season was, whether it was going to happen, whether it wasn't going to happen, and these guys have come out and just absolutely been raking. And some of the, I mean, a lot of pitchers are struggling, but a lot of pitchers are pitching really well too. You know, you look at guys like Lance Lynn and, you know, I mean, Lance Lynn has just been shoving the ball. It's insane. Um, yep. But, you know, so just as well as a lot of the players have come out of this and have been performing at a very high level has been a really pleasant surprise, I think, for a lot of baseball fans. And, uh, man, I mean, I'm a Brewers fan, so, like, they might be my biggest letdown right now. Um, mm. You know, they have not been playing well. They got they got that Cardinal series canceled, and they just didn't really come back hot after that. Yelich was struggling to start the year. He came back hot after the stretch, or after the time off, but the Brewers overall just... They got rid of a lot of power in their lineup last year where they didn't re-sign Moustakas, they didn't re-sign Grandal, they didn't re-sign Thames, and they went and got Brock Holt and Eric Sogard and Avisel Garcia, who are good, like, complementary pieces, but they're not, you know, they're not going to replace Moustakas, Grandal. Um, so, you know, being a Brewers fan, I was really hoping they'd be in playoff contention this year. And if the season ended today, I mean, they have a playoff spot, but so does half the league. Um, right. So I I need to see an improvement from them moving forward, and uh, I I hope it happens because I think I mean the Brewers are a talented team and they should be at least probably top two in the division, at at if I'm being real. Uh, yeah, I think my biggest positive surprise is that the Marlins and the Cardinals and a couple of teams had big uh, Rona infections and the season went on. You know, um, to me that's awesome. Yeah, you know, the Marlins, had, the Marlins had 17 players test positive for COVID, and MLB did not cancel the season. And, um, you know, a lot of people said MLB is done. MLB is getting shut down, shut the season down. It's too risky, this and that. But we're still playing baseball, ladies and gentlemen, until further notice. So I am absolutely thrilled about that. Um, my biggest letdowns are, again, I... David mentioned the Brewers because he's a Brewers fan. I would mention the Mets because I'm a Mets fan. Not necessarily the results, but Cespedes and Stroman, two really huge pieces of the team, opting out uh, due to quote-unquote Rona, which to me is complete nonsense. Neither of them opted out because of Rona. Um, Cespedes literally left his hotel and didn't tell the Mets anything after a meeting with the manager saying that, there's certain incentives in my contract that if I don't meet, I don't get paid as much. And he got pissed off and he left. And the Mets weren't doing very well to begin with. So I think that all added up. Cespedes is going to go get fully healthy so he can go sign a big contract with the Oakland A's next year. I guarantee that's what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, he basically bitched out. And that's pretty pathetic for a guy that I loved in 15 for bringing us to the postseason, basically, single-handedly. And for it to end like this is really upsetting. And then also... Uh, Stroman, who was literally about to come back and pitch after Waka went on the injury list. Our depth is dying already, and we really needed him to pitch. We traded two really decent prospects to get him, and he pitched 11 games for us and had over a four ERA, and he didn't give us anything this year because he got hurt, and then when he's supposed to come back, says, I'm out because of Rona. So it's very disappointing um, how these players handle things, and I just feel both of them are liars. I don't know what the real reason both of them opted out, but a damn sure not Rona. And the fact that everyone else on the team is still playing like men while you two were hurt 
and are the ones to back out when you weren't contributing to the team in the first place, that pisses me off. So uh, to me, that's definitely my biggest letdown of the season so far because obviously it you know relates to me. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you go that way too because like, and I and I 100% think you're right with the Cespedes and Stroman situation. Um, but like the Brewers had Lorenzo Cain opt out, which is one of the key contributors to the team, both on the field and in the clubhouse. And, you know, it's completely the opposite situation. Like everybody believes that Lorenzo Cain was really opting out for his family. He's got, you know, multiple young children at home. And, uh, and I mean, I can't really blame a guy like that. I mean, who's locked into a contract anyways for opting out um, to try to, you know, help keep his family a little safer. But at the same time, it sucks because like I said, he is a really big contributor to the Brewers on the field and off. And, to not have them out there, like it's it's been tough, and it's you can definitely tell with the Brewers that they're they've been trying to find that center fielder now, and it's Lorenzo Cain's one of the best defensively in the business. So and like you to... said, he's he's on a contract. He's coming <coughs> he's coming back. Cespedes and Stroman are both free agents, right. and they're right. both gone next year. So we get and again, Stroman got hurt last year and didn't give us anything, and then Cespedes has been gone for a year and a half, mm. and now yeah. this is two years. So basically, I haven't seen Cespedes in two years. And I haven't seen Strowman. We basically got these guys, and they've done nothing for us. So it's, it adds on to the, you know, the disappointment. It's it's a little different than the Lorenzo Cain situation, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I maybe they are scared of COVID, and I'm just BSing because I'm mad that we're probably gonna suck now. But I mean, I don't know. I just going based on gut feeling and based on Cespedes' antics in the past. I would assume that I can't give him the benefit of the doubt because he's just never proven that he's reliable. So. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think I'm pretty much, you know, done to, unless you, do you want to like, uh, okay. So one more question and then we'll finish. Um, okay. if you had to pick right now, world series prediction, AL versus NL, who you got? Ooh, that's tough. Cause there's a lot of like teams that are playing really well right now that, yeah. I mean, like I just said with the Yankees, for example, the Yankees have been playing really well and we know how much of an offensive juggernaut they are. But losing Aaron Judge is going to be big. I mean, he's been their main factor so far uh, this season. And, and you know, having him and Stanton both on the DL now, I mean, those are two of their biggest bats in their lineup with Glaber struggling, Gary Sanchez struggling. So we'll see if the pitching can really hold together for the Yankees. Um, you know, obviously they did get Garrett Cole. They did strengthen that pitching staff a little bit. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. The pitching is going to have to keep them together now because I don't think their offense is going to be as prolific with these guys gone. Um, but the way it's looking now, I'd say they're probably still the World Series favorite. Um, especially if Judge isn't going to be gone long. I haven't seen the actual story on him. Um, but I just I just saw that he got added to the injured list today. Um, so I don't know how long he's going to be gone for. But if he comes back and he's healthy right down the stretch, that's going to be the perfect time for the Yankees. They should easily win that division at this point. Looking at the other te- how the other teams have been. Um, so I'd say the Yankees are my pick in the American League. And as much as I hate to say it, I mean, I feel like I got to go Dodgers. Uh, Bellinger can't keep struggling the way he has all season for the rest of the year. There's just no way. He's, he's too good of a hitter. Mookie Betts has been on a tear, um, you know, proving that he's really worth the money that the Dodgers gave him. Um, and, you know, that team overall, they pitch really well. Their bullpen is very shaky, but I think the trade deadline is going to be really interesting this year. I think... The main thing, I don't think we're going to see a lot of people move to the trade deadline, but the main thing we will see moved is bullpen pieces because there's a lot of teams that are out of it that have good bullpen pieces that could move these guys. 
The Dodgers have a loaded farm system. They they'll be able to get things done. So I think that I think it's going to be Dodgers Yankees, which might be what baseball needs after all of this is to have two of the biggest markets in baseball play in the World Series. Um, but there's a lot of teams that could sneak in. You know, like I said, I mean, almost half of each league is making the playoffs. So we could have some very fun Cinderella stories this year. It'll almost feel like March Madness. <laughs> Which we lost due to COVID. And I know Scotty, yeah. Mitch, and everyone listening right RIP. now. Very, very sad about that. I wasn't too sad about that because I'm not the biggest college football fan. But I do put a lot of money on March Madness. So, yeah, I was pissed off that I couldn't bet on it and do my bracket. But um, I have the same exact World Series as you. Um, but the Yankees, however, Stan and Judge, both on the injured list. Um, that's that's huge. Like I, I, I obviously I'm stating the obvious, but if Judge and Stanton don't come back, or Judge and Stanton are both, you know, there's no time for them to be rusty when they come back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, I don't know. That that's huge. If if those guys come back and they're not 100, percent then I see a team maybe like, uh, I don't want to say the Astros because I just they they look completely lost right now. Um, but they can turn it around in a heartbeat. Um, Oakland is, you know, doing Oakland things. I mean, let me tell you if, yeah, if the Indians pitchers would stop being idiots and I mean, they just, they just had a teammate come back from beating cancer and they're going out to clubs in Chicago, which is one like besides New York, I think, which is, is the biggest COVID center in the United States. And they're going out to bars in Chicago and stuff like that while they're in town playing the Cubs and like that just blows my mind. I mean, especially Clevenger, who's one of the best bright young pitchers this game has right now. Right. To just to just go out and make a move like that. I I mean, those are two big pieces that they lost out of their out of their rotation. I mean, they're making them miss at least two starts at this point. So they gotta the Indians gotta get it together. But if they can come back and keep pitching like they were, I mean, one through five, the Indians right now have the best pitching staff in baseball, stat wise. You know, you look at the names right. and that might not be the case, but all five of those guys have been really pitching well this year. And uh, and if they can make a move even for at least a co- nice complimentary bat to help them out on offense a little bit with, you know, Lindor and J-Ram still, again, getting off to early season struggles, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I, I like the Indians pick as a backup if, if the Yankees don't make it. And then, like I said, uh, the Dodgers just have so many pieces on that offense that I don't know who's going to be able to beat them. Um you know, Mookie Betts and Bellinger and Turner and uh, Seager and, and Lux in the wings and, and P- you know, Jock Peterson. I, and, uh, and I really don't like the Dodgers, but it's been so fun seeing Corey Seager come back and be healthy again because, like we've always said, I mean, that, this guy's a top five shortstop in baseball when he's healthy. And he's come out and he's proven it so far this year. Yeah. I will say, though, uh, watch out for the Padres. Um, yeah, they've been building I, for a while now. They've got I some crafty agree. veterans on that team mixed with some really young talent like Fernando Tatis, who could have easily been both of our uh, biggest, not surprises, but biggest, like, you know, yeah. funnest things to watch because the kid is amazing. Oh, I, I think Fernando Tatis right now is 100% the most fun player to watch in baseball. Um, yeah. You know, like if if I was on, you know, like Emily TV or whatever, and I had the options of all the game to turn on, and I saw Tatis was coming up to bat, it would be the Padres game every time. I mean... Even even when that guy strikes out, it's entertaining. Like not even because I hate him or I want him to strike out, but he's just he's got he's got this swagger. I they talked about it a little bit on MLB Network a couple weeks ago. This kid's got the most swagger that we've seen in baseball since Griffey. 
he, just, he reminds me of, and again, uh, not much, not as much power, but Jose Reyes. When I used to watch Jose yeah. Reyes play, you had to put the TV on to watch him because he can hit a triple at any time. And yep. one of the most exciting things I've ever seen in baseball was Jose Reyes hitting a triple. I, I know that sounds dumb to some people, but for those that watched, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The excitement, the swagger, the, you know, the little, uh, I'm better than you, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Fernando Tatis has all of that and is a I, probably better player, a little bit better than Jose, especially with the power. Um, so, yeah, he definitely reminds I'm gonna, me of Reyes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something about a topic that has been going around the baseball world quite a bit lately, which is the discussion of the face of baseball. And I think give it the rest of this year, even maybe at the soonest, I think that guy is Fernando Tatis Jr. I think he's he brings, like I said, he brings the most swagger to the field. He's a fun player to watch. He's, I mean, he's great with the glove. He's clearly great with the bat. I mean, and he's 21 years old. This kid is is two years younger than I am. I what what am I doing with my life? You know, ten ten years younger than me. So don't feel too. Uh, <laughs> but bad. I mean, I I think. I think, you know, overall, I don't think Fernando Tatis Jr. is a better player than Mike Trout or Mookie Betts even, you know, some of those guys. But just the way that he plays the game, how entertaining he is to watch, I you, I think give it, like I said, maybe even by the end of this year, and he could very easily be the face of baseball and that baseball really needs right now. And I think Padres make the playoffs, so he'll also have I, I prime agree. time. You know, we can people can watch him in the playoffs. Um Last thing I'll say about baseball, and we'll wrap it up, is uh, baseball needs social media presence more than ever. Um, with, you know, Rona and, like, the NBA and NFL, their guys are always on Twitter talking crap and, you know, bringing popularity to the sport and to players. The MLB doesn't have that. Our face of baseball is Mike Trout right now. He's never on social media. And, a lot, and he's never on social media. He's never, like, it seems to be, like, bringing people together or making people hate him. So that there's a, a hate kind of thing, like a Jordan versus LeBron thing or, you know, something like we don't have that in baseball right now because our best player, which is supposed to be Mike Trout, is just, I mean, he's a great guy. Uh, he does a lot for the community. I'm not crapping on who he is. I'm crapping on the fact that I wish a guy like Tatis Jr. had Mike Trout stats so that we can have a little bit of everything, you know what I mean, instead of just like. Mike Trout's that guy that goes to work and puts his hat on, you know, his little mm -hmm. bucket and pail hat or whatever, does his little <laughs> construction work, works very hard and is the best at his field. But then a guy like Tatis is the guy that comes in with the suit and tie from Wall Street. You know, he's uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street, where he's, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the best at his field and his field just looks better right now. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. um, I don't know. I just... Uh, Baseball needs to try to bring in a new audience, a new younger audience, a new demographic of audience. Uh, and, you know, they need to work on that social media thing a lot, a lot more than they are. I know they started with the Players League when we when Rona was at its peak. You know, Jeff McNeil from the Mets, Tatis Jr. was in it, by the way. Yep, yep. Very and entertaining to watch. Very entertaining. Actually, very the first game he played was versus Jeff McNeil, and he was on mute the whole time, and he didn't even know because it was his first stream ever. <laughs> And then, like, you see him, like, dancing and doing all these moves and yelling, and you couldn't hear any of it. And oh, then the next geez. one, he was, like, going crazy. It was it was great. He's just a very entertaining player, like David said. The only thing is, like you said, 
I don't think he's on the talent level. He's got he's got immense talent. He's definitely great, and he's definitely going to be a top ten player. I don't see him breaking that top five threshold though, because guys again like Bellinger and Betts and Trout and um, I can't even think of any uh, Yelich and Arenado you know, even Arenado. Yeah. I, I Tatis Junior is just not on that level yet. When you put everything together though, the flashiness and then the excitement though, we'll see. Let's see what he does this year. And. And especially with the Padres, I mean, they're going to be a good team. They're already proven they can they can really handle themselves this year. And they got a ton more young prospects coming up. They've got, you know, even after signing Hosmer and Machado, they've still got money to spend. So they can go out and get some pitching help next year. I, if the Padres are going to turn into a good team finally, like we've been looking for them to do for the last decade at least... Uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be real fun to watch him. He's gonna get a lot of time on a lot of TV time. Well, all right, uh, guys, that'll do it for this podcast. Once again, thank you, David. For uh, David was always gonna be on this podcast. So <laughs> um, now now you're not gonna you're not gonna skimp out on on your random fact, are you? Like you can't skimp out on my on my episode. Well, I'm gonna be completely honest and say that I completely forgot to get a random fact of the day and i actually sent scotty something in the dm like two weeks ago saying this is going to be my next fact of the you know what i'm gonna find it give me a second guys we will find it david demanded a a fact so i'm going to give you guys a fact i like the sound of that i couldn't i couldn't let you skip out on on my first episode on the podcast i mean that's you know that's one of the best parts of the show king's random facts of the week now it's King's random fact of the bye week, I guess. But all right, here we go. All right. I think I have found it. This is what this is what I was originally gonna post this. So here we go. Everyone knows that the Earth has earthquakes, right? Okay. Some people, matter of fact, many people don't know that the moon also has moonquakes. And here's the thing. Here's why this is interesting. You're like, oh, it's not interesting. That's not random. Mm-hmm. It is okay. random because let me tell you this. When the moon has a moonquake, you can look up in the sky and you can see E.T. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that is a fact that we do have. Again, it's not as interesting. But yeah, I, that, the I Earth didn't has know earthquakes. That. The moon has moonquakes. And maybe Mars has Mars quakes. I don't know. Nonetheless, that will be my random yet probably not as exciting (laughs) fact. The king just educating as many people as I can, including David, who demanded it. I'll take it. But again, guys, uh, David will be on the podcast again. Did a great job today. Um, The only reason Scotty wasn't here, again, he was crying because of his Philadelphia (laughs) 76ers. Probably not winning the championship now if Embiid and Simmons aren't fully healthy and ready to rock. But uh, obviously, Scotty will be back next week. Um, and uh, if we do the baseball one, David will be as well. And if not, he will be here when we talk baseball 100%. But thank you guys for listening. Um, again, the support, as always, the messages, the every time we do it, there's like people, if we don't do it within the week, guys are like, hey, where's the podcast? You know, things like that. Uh, it means a lot just that you guys want to listen. Uh, if you're listening to this from the DadBot Sports Group, we now have a page that you guys can go like, the DadBot Sports page. Me and David are on a baseball page. If you guys are listening to this and want to follow a baseball page, it's called uh, Smash Mouth Baseball. We've been owners of that page for a long time. And we've got over like 30,000 likes on it. So there's a lot of uh, good posts on that page. So go follow that page as well. 
But again, like I said, thank you guys for watching. Thank you for the support. We will be back next week. Hope you have a good, I don't know, week, whatever, <laughs> when we see you <laughs> next time. But uh, yeah, we're out.